Hello everyone, this is John. Thank you for dropping by my YouTube and podcast, Catholic for Rednecks. If you're interested in becoming Catholic or learning about the faith, if you're just curious or intrigued or maybe looking for some junk, you have found the right place because I love to do videos, podcasts about the Holy Catholic Church. I was born and raised Southern Baptist in the great state of Alabama. And all, I'm just a redneck, but um, I was born and raised in a different church than I'm in now. I even went to seminary out in Oklahoma, and um, I spent 50 years in the Baptist Pentecostal churches and found myself wanting to be a Catholic. Come on in, listen. Eric on the line. Eric from Kansas. Yep. Is on the live show and that's really neat because I've been trying to get guests on here for days. And you're the one, you're the cream of the crop. You know the, the little spermy that swam, you ever seen the, the I'm bottom? the stubborn one that won't go away. That one little spermy that made it and became a a baby, the little, the little train that could, the little spermy that made it and became a, a baby. There, I had to mute the computer. Yeah, so we have Eric on here from Kansas, and he he has many questions for the Protestants. I don't know about that. You got to yeah. inspire me to have a question. I have, I have a statement to make. All right. I'll probably have an opinion since I'm a opinionated Catholic hick. Okay. I believe there's only like two reasons why someone would not be Catholic. And I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about believers. You know, people that go uh -huh. to church that believe in Christ, believe in a afterlife. Um, the only reason they're not Catholic is because they do not know what the Catholic Church believes. Period. They don't I agree. If you went to what's the nearest town of the grocery store to where you live because I just picture you living in the Wizard of Oz, you know, the tumbleweeds <laughs> and gophers and stuff. Well, to completely blow your mind, we actually have indoor plumbing yeah. and internet. And we <clears throat> we live close to Wichita. Wichita is that so, BKT was. That's where BTK was. BTK, blind, torture, kill. Something like that. How close do you live to where he lived? About 25 miles. Ooh, so you grew up when that was going on? You knew? Well, we, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it because uh, I don't watch the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, it was all over the internet and it was on the news. And he was apparently very active in his uh, non Catholic church. Either Lutheran Presbyterian. I don't. I don't recall what his denomination was, but there are there are evil people everywhere of all colors and faiths. It when that when that when the devil gets you, he gets you. Mm-hmm. If well, you let him. I just you know when you talk to people like I'm trying to do as many interviews as I can with all kinds of people, atheists, believers, family, friends, random people. I just like asking the basic questions um, about what Catholics believe, and they don't know. They, they well, do not know. I, comment, I commented on your uh, previous live that former Catholics don't know what the church believes. They're, Otherwise, they'd still be Catholic. Yeah, they're, they're the worst. But I think sometimes they're using an offense that they had as an excuse to. I don't believe they have a spiritual, a biblical reason to leave. Maybe it's based on an offense. So they attach something else to that offense. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense at all it makes a lot of sense because okay i grew up in illinois we went to public school until would have been my sixth grade and then for my sixth grade mom and dad sent us to catholic school and what i was 10 or 11 and i have tied back into some of those people that I went to school with over the internet, you know, through Facebook and class reunions and like the high school I should have graduated from have accepted me on their class of 83 uh, roster because I was one of their classmates for a few years. But some of the kids that I went to Catholic school with went to Catholic school for all their first eight years. And some of them even went to Catholic high school. And one in particular, she is everything against Catholic. Now she has this burr under her saddle about, Catholic school and nuns and the church, and she wants nothing to do with religion of any kind. Mm -hmm. But that's just sad because somehow they miss out. My college roommate had a very similar upbringing to mine, and we ended up at college together. Both of our dads were in the Air Force. Um, both of our moms are Kansas natives, you know, small town farm girls. And yeah. they met their they met their husbands in the Air Force and then moved. He moved 
his folks moved back to Pennsylvania. Mine moved to Illinois. And that's where we started growing up. He grew up in Pennsylvania his whole life. But he was an altar boy. He was, you know, doing the dutiful Catholic child and Catholic upbringing. And I've asked him, I, he's agnostic now, but I've asked him, did you believe what the church taught when you were growing up? And he agrees that the Bible is a good handbook for life. It's how to get along with other people. But he is so, in his mind, wrapped up in science and logic and math that he is kind of too prideful in himself, I suppose, and his abilities, not so much God's. And we've had conversations that have, I mean, in the last two years that have gotten kind of, kind of dramatic because I'm asking him what he believes and why he doesn't believe. Cause I'm trying to figure out what went wrong. And so he believes that there's something out there. He's just not sure what, but he doesn't think it's religion. And he pretty much has admitted that he was just doing what his mom and mom and dad wanted. Mm -hmm. And I suppose I can relate to that a lot. I know uh, I have a Facebook friend who claims to be a former Catholic who is now a member of the Church of Christ, and they That's have. I claim. Let me see. Uh, do what? Let me see if I get Claire with us. Hang on a second. Dang. I'm not sure that I have her um, cell number. Claire. Claire. It would be neat to talk to a dude in Kansas. Huh. Hang on, Claire. Maybe you going to go pretty wide? Yeah, I would love to. But she says she can't connect. Let's see it. Copy. Okay, hang on, Claire. All right, Claire. Hang on. Man, I wish I was a technical wizard. <laughs> you know what? Had some help. Had some money. Oh, John, you do just fine winging it. I think I sent Claire something to her Instagram. She lives in Oregon which people criticize me for the way I pronounce Oregon. But I just say Oregon. Everybody here says Oregon, like piano, Oregon. Then you hear people go, Oregon. So I don't really know. But 
She used to be in the Hollywood scene, so she might be too good to hang out with two rednecks in Alabama and Kansas. She might be kind of uppity. Oh, we're live. I'm just kidding. Well, anyway, this gal I know on Facebook, she claims to be Catholic. She's now Church of Christ. And from what I understand from her and some reading I've done, they believe in the Eucharist. The problem is they don't have apostolic succession to make it legit. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, we, we were talking about seminaries the other day and she's like, well, I said, so are basically I could wake up someday, find a new Testament strolling along the beach or in a wheat field. And I could the next day decide to start a church and become a Christian pastor. She's like, no. Yeah, you can. Too. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I can. And she's yeah. like, no, our, our pastors go to like Christian college. They're not like Catholic <laughs> seminaries. Wait a minute now. Church of Christ. The ones I've talked to pride themselves in having no creeds and not being man-made. They are the Church of Antioch, where they were first called Christians, and they bypass all the Reformation and church history. They, they were just the Church of Antioch. But what's weird is the Church of Antioch is the, is the Malchite Church. They still exist. Yep. And they planted a satellite church in Birmingham. <laughs> it's not the Church of Christ. I can assure you it is not the Church of Christ. I've heard the same thing from some Baptists that claim that they are descended from John the Baptist and that for 2,000 years almost, they've remained hidden among the Gentiles and the Christians, the Catholics. Yeah, I'm going to get one of those guys on the show. And I just, I can't buy it. I they just can't care. buy it. They, it they, doesn't make I, sense. They don't buy it, Eric. That's my point, is if they're truly seeking Jesus, the God of the Bible, if they're truly seeking truth and start researching each matter that they think the Catholic Church is about when they start finding out what the church believes and why they believe it, then if they're logical people, they start seeing, you know, I kind of believe that too, now that I've heard it. And then you start running out. You start running out of reasons, biblically, logically, historically. Yeah, you just, I mean, the evidence, there's just too much stuff saying you were wrong. Yep. And then but when all the reasons why are gone, the only reason you can become Catholic is what? She told me that their pastors go to 
Christian college and they, they learn about the Bible, but they don't learn all that Catholic stuff. But that Catholic stuff is history. And so they, it's like Jesus ascended into heaven after 40 days with the apostles and he goes to prepare a place for them. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, Martin Luther comes along and everybody's got a Bible. Yeah. But they're missing 1,500 years of history, of truth, of understanding. But they don't want to hear that because it's Catholic. Mm -hmm. And people also forget that the term Catholic means universal, which means it's for everybody. It's it's just another name for the first Christians. Yeah. Britannica says the words Christian and Catholic were the same word that were used yep. interchangeably for centuries. That it was, it went with Think about this. Mathematics, what does that term mean? It means the study of numbers, the study of how they interplay together, how to measure, how to define. <clears throat> but it wasn't that one day all of a sudden somebody said, hey, I'm going to discover mathematics. No, it began probably as people learned how to count. I want three. One, two, three. And then they started adding bigger numbers together, counting their herds. They had math in Christ's time. And before. But yeah. And it's but fun. there's also there are other parts to mathematics like geometry and uh calculus where they're more advanced. So if you think of it like that, there's math and then there's advanced math. Well, there's Christianity and then there's kind of an advanced Christianity and that would equal Catholicism. Hmm. Plain Protestant Christianity is Christianity light. It's simplified. Neo, it's like Neo-Christianity. Yeah. Make it simple, stupid, but they when they make it simple, they eliminate truth. I think they're trying to make it. Um, I think everything in the Protestant church is designed for self, me. It's about I think so too. My forgiveness, my eternal life, my position in Christ, my blessing. My this and that. It's basically they think they're smarter than God and all of the Catholics who have gone before. That it's it's almost like they ignore the what the apostles taught. I mean, it it is almost like that bad. If the New Testament says to obey your bishop. Right? Right. That mean? First of all, what is a bishop? We don't have any bishops in our church. How can I obey a bishop? 
when I don't have a bishop in my church? Well, when everybody becomes their own pope, they just obey themselves. Well, Jesus, because they're, they the, are smarter than the pope. And the non-denominational church is what? Exploding here where I live. The biggest church, the biggest church in Alabama is a non-denominational it's it's big here too. You got to realize the community I live in is a Mennonite uh, haven. I guess. I mean, it was there were a lot of German Mennonites that founded this area. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you go out in western Kansas, it, it's kind of cool because you drive down I seventy and you'll see Catholic radio signs, and it's cool because my my mom's side of the family helped found churches in western kansas gorham ellis hayes victoria there's a there's actually a church in uh is it victoria that has become a minor basilica hmm. and my relatives helped found that church and that's a pretty interesting history that's the uh the uh what do they call them they were germans who immigrated to russia the Vol volga the volga germans hmm. and there's a book that some of my mom's cousins wrote called conquering the wind and it discusses their time in russia and then it also carries over into them immigrating to western kansas and it talks about like they didn't have priests how did they how did they retain their catholic faith without having a priest there were quite often protestants out there too there were a lot of english settlers and french and gosh all kinds of different nationalities came to Western Kansas, but they worked together. Like they would have uh, baptisms and weddings in common. And then when a priest did make their rounds, they would make them sacramental. Mm -hmm. And they really, really liked when the priest finally showed up because they actually were able to live their faith. Kind of like but, in the Amazon basin. Probably. I yeah. can, you know, talk about Pachamama and that group of people. Well, the fake Pachamama. It, it, it reminds me a lot of that. Yeah. You can have faith as a Catholic without a church or a cathedral. Some don't have one. Yeah. You, you do the best that you can. What do you do? What did and you find yourself where you're not, where you can't practice your faith. How do you practice the Catholic faith when there's no priest around? You do the best you can and you, you pray a lot. There are places like that. There you know? are, even today. Yeah, I mean, look where I live. Okay, you just look where I live. And if you become a Catholic, if you're, 
you know, if you become Catholic and you live in rural Alabama, Mississippi, rural Georgia, Tennessee, what are you going to do? I mean, it's a big event to go to Mass. You do the best you can. Yeah. And what if you live in a place where the Catholic Church has been uh, forced underground, like in China? Yeah. You know, Cuba. Poland with John Paul. Yeah. What do, you, what do they do? And, um, you know, it's hard. The thing with being Catholic, I was talking to, who was I talking to the other day? I think it was a lady. Man, I talked to so many people on here, on live. Who was I talking to? Dang, I can't even remember what I was talking about. I'm trying to mesmerize you by rocking. <laughs> yeah, you're like one of those Jews, you know, at the wedding. We did that one video where I was in my recliner and I wasn't rocking because I had I was leaned back. But if I'm sitting up, I'm probably moving. I hear you. I'm I'm doing it too. So I've I've tried to get together with some Catholics, some priests, and apologists that are well known, and trying to do a thing where we go to public places like a ballpark, a grocery store, and just conduct street interviews, nothing threatening, nothing political, and just ask a few questions, which we know they're not going to get right. They're not going to get them right. And then you have a answer. You have something in hand with the answers to the questions that you can leave them with, you know, because I do interviews. I try to do interviews every day with people and um, not just here on YouTube, but, you know, I have the podcast and some other things. And it's funny because these believers, now the atheist girl made the most sense, the atheist girl, but I don't have her on here yet. But, well, I enjoyed listening to your little brother, Terry, and your niece. I can't recall her name. Amber. Amber. Yeah, I tried they, to on here. They too. were at least halfway intelligent. They yeah. were still, they still didn't know the answers, but they weren't completely ignorant. Yeah. Well, my, and that's my brilliant. Question, my question is, uh, where do you go when you get when you first of all, you got to have a desire. You got to have a God gene. You got to have a truth gene in you. And so, I'm starting to believe that a lot of people do not have what I call the God gene or the truth gene. When it comes to church, they don't have it. That's what I'm. That's what I kind of believe right now. You know what I mean? I'm trying to understand. I'm relating it to baptism. Like, 
my nephew isn't Catholic anymore. I mean, he flat told me he doesn't get anything from mass. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because he goes to mass expecting to get something instead of just worship. Yeah. And so anyway, he goes to faith life church with his wife. Of course. It's one of the, it's one of the new big mega churches and they pretty much I've watched some of their sermons because I'm curious and I look, I try to understand what Protestants think, what they believe, because if I don't understand them, how can I attempt to correct? Mm -hmm. If I don't know what they believe or what they get wrong, how am I supposed to fix it? Mm -hmm. Well, my sister, she clings to the idea that he was baptized Catholic and that he has an indelible mark upon his soul and that hopefully in time that will overtake any flaws he has in his beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of worked for me. I mean, I've never been anything but Catholic, but I wasn't practicing. Like when I was in college, I wasn't going to church. Mm-hmm. But everything I believed is Catholic. Uh, it's it just, and it's not just because of who, how I was raised. The fact that my parents were devoted practicing Catholics and drug me to church every Sunday mm-hmm. isn't what keeps me Catholic or makes me Catholic. It's that I've looked at the alternatives and they're all lacking. Mm-hmm. They lack truth. They lack sincerity. They lack history. Yeah. They just ain't got it. And I have, I've had conversations with atheists. When I was at college, my next door neighbor in the dorm was an atheist from New York. He played heavy metal I mean, heavy metal, devil worship, Satan stuff. And we had conversations about it. My little brother's a hard rocker. Goes to Megadeth concerts and shit. And going back to, he was sent to Catholic school. Mm -hmm. But in eighth grade, there was too much drama. And now he avoids the church. And he avoids discussions of religion. Because his problem is with people, not the church, not the beliefs, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I can't get my little brother to talk about it. And I'm his godfather. He's 30, good golly, he's going to be 33, or he is 33 right now. And I'm 57. Uh. And he doesn't even want to talk about religion. And none of his friends are very religious at all. Mm -hmm. And he was baptized. And you just got to hope. Yeah, shoot. Society makes it so easy to deviate from what we were taught and raised that we run away from how we were taught. My niece is living with her baby daddy. Mm-hmm. 
but she's still Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, it's convenience. It's what do I want to do or what does God want me to do? God wants me to go to church every Sunday. God wants me to pray. But if we lack the belief and the faith to follow through, oh, we're messing up. I know I'm messing up. We let life get in the way. I don't know. And our grandparents, they were faithful Catholics. And my great-grandparents hardly had a priest. But they had the faith. Mm-hmm. Their faith was so much stronger because society wasn't getting in the way. I don't know. I guess we got to hope. I don't know if there's a God gene or whether it's just. I mean, I don't deserve the faith of my parents or my grandparents. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But I feel blessed and lucky to have it. I don't know. Just seems weird. Do you think the Catholic Church as an institution or business, so to speak, do you think she's doing enough to reach out to the um, masses? No pun intended. Do you think Catholic Church is doing enough to evangelize in this era with all the resources and money that she has at her disposal? Is the Catholic Church doing a good job, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your local priest that's on fire and goes out to the pub district to evangelize. I'm talking about the institution, um, the, the Catholic Church, Vatican, the United States bishops, are they doing, are they doing enough, are they doing a good job evangelizing? I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about EWTN or your local parish. I'm not talking about your local friend that's got a YouTube channel that's promoting the church. I'm talking about the hierarchy, the leadership. Well, what do you want them to do? Do you, like, I mean, I'm a friend of mine, a, a co-worker that I, I have, he goes to a church and they lost their pastor for some reason. So they haven't had a pastor for over a year, but they are very devoted to Christ. What kind of church is and, um, I just know they're not Catholic. They're Protestant. Yeah. They're Christian. But during the summer, they have movie nights where they put out a sheet. And they play movies for kids and cartoons and they, that's, that is not what religion and church is about. 
See, like the priest we have, I think he's a little too liberal. I'm probably I probably lean more towards Fulton Sheen or Father Altman or Father Heilman as far as teaching. But there are different degrees of priests, just like there, and, and those priests have their ideas and they go higher in the church and become bishops and cardinals. But at what point do you want the the clergy to kiss the butts of the congregation or not? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we're talking about. Are our priests preaching the word of God or are they preaching happiness and fun? I think they should be t- preaching fire and brimstone, but joy, not fun. So I'm okay with what Francis is doing, Pope Francis. He's trying to get people to think, to, for people to get involved up here, not just in their heart. Protestant Christians love Jesus, but they ain't got it up here. They got it in their heart, but they don't have it up here. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I think I do. How do you grab someone and get them to think? Without offending them. Like some priests, they, they, like we got this new priest a couple years ago. And at my church, he has to speak Spanish. Like we had a gringo priest before the priest we have now. And I don't think the Latinos cared for him that much because he was a gringo. But they love our Mexican priest. Because they make him feel like one of their own. Well, it shouldn't matter. And I've been to the Spanish mass. And I get these sideways glances from the Latinos. And I'm like, bring it. I don't care. Yeah, I'm a gringo. I woke up late today. This is the 1230 Spanish mass. We're all Catholic. Deal with it. If I come to your mass, it's fine. You can come to the nine or the eleven. I don't care. But they were and they were nice, but you still get these sideways looks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember what like when we first moved here, it was a smaller church. Uh we've upgraded a couple times since then. But we'd come to go to mass and on the way in, you know, everybody's inside praying, praying the rosary. But on the way out, all the people of the parish would stand outside on the front lawn in the summer. And you could see the little groups of, of older Latino ladies talking in Spanish. And we're like, what are they doing? Are they talking about us? And I'm like, I don't care. I just smile at it because we're all of one faith. I don't care where you come from. What you do, that's the beauty of Catholicism. You can go to Africa, and it's the same as it is 
well, supposed to be the same as it is in Germany, the same as it is in Spain, the same as it is in South Africa or Australia. And it's cool, but at what point do the clergy spend more time kissing butt than preaching the word of God? Mm-hmm. And what is the what is the higher clergy supposed to do? What are the bishops supposed to do? What's the Pope supposed to do mm-hmm. to bring more people in? If you can't get them to think with more than just their heart, because like I've said, Protestants, a lot of them really love Jesus, you know, but I'm not sure they understand why. Mm-hmm. So you ask what you you ask me if the Catholic Church as a whole is doing any good at bringing people in and keeping them. Well, what are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to do that? You mm-hmm. preach the truth. If you can't preach the truth, then you're dropping the ball. And the same is true for politics. The shenanigans going on right now in society about kids thinking they're furries and gender appropriation. But they get madder than hell when you appropriate someone's culture. Mm -hmm. But they'll let you appropriate their gender. That's insanity. That is a mental disconnect. And it's, it's frustrating. It's like they can't see the forest for the trees. Have you ever sat down in the middle or towards the end of a movie that immediately grabbed your attention and you watched the whole rest of the movie and just loved it? I don't know. I usually watch them from the beginning but yeah i've i've come into movies in the beginning and missed the beginning yeah so really there's maybe stuff going on in the current movie that you're loving and you just take it for granted that that whatever's going on in that movie right then has been the same the whole movie what's your point my point is your average protestant has sat down at the tail end of a movie and they liken the movie, but they haven't got a clue is what brought us to this point. They have, they, they lack foundation. Hey, Kevin. And part of that foundation is the history. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a if you study the history, and even Radtrads get some of this stuff wrong. Like they keep talking about the Tridentine Mass is tried and true for 1500 years. No, I recently saw a Chris Alar video that's two years old talking about communion in the hand versus communion on the tongue. Mm-hmm. And he said through research, 
that he has found out that communion in the hand was acceptable for the first 800 years. Yeah. And another, I don't remember if it was another video he did or not, but all of the liturgies of the Catholic Church, whether it be Melkite or Greek Orthodox or the Latin Mass, the Tridentine Mass, or the Novus Ordo, they all come from one of four communities, Antioch, Rome, I uh, can't remember the other two, but all of our liturgies come from that core of four communities. And who were at those four communities? Paul, Peter, John. Was Ephesus one of them? Can't remember. It's been a while since I saw that video. So, and if you, what, who is it? John Chrysostom mm -hmm. that describes the, the mass in or in 155, I don't forget whether it's Chrysostom or Tertullian or who, but in one about 155, he describes the Mass, and it's the ancient Mass, and we don't deviate too much from that today, mm -hmm. even the Novus Ordo Mass. Yeah. If, uh, the so even, even rad trads are skipping part of the history. Yeah, they are. Their rad trads are not being honest. Yes. Because the truth is, if you brought someone to an N.O. Mass right now and let them read that liturgy about 500 times in a row, you could then take them to the Antioch liturgy and give them a missile from, I think, that came out of James, you know, ancient 400-year-old liturgy, right? And they can read that 400-year-old liturgy, and they're going to recognize parts of it word for word from the N.O. Mass, and you can go to the TLM, the Traditional Latin Mass, and follow along, and you're going to see stuff you know, from the nomads. And okay. It was a Jimmy Aiken video that I was watching. Okay. Jimmy Aiken is, is pretty smart. He, if he doesn't know something, he admits we can't possibly know. Keep talking. Okay. Just keep talking. But Jimmy Aiken, Jimmy Aiken did the, a video from 2022 at some conference. And he was talking about the history of the liturgies. And they all come from one of four liturgies. So just because the Council of Trent said this is the pinnacle of the liturgy doesn't mean it's the only liturgy. There's acceptable forms and to expect a priest to be a robot and you know memorize a prayer every time i mean 
I, by the time I was 17, I had the Eucharistic liturgy memorized. I could mouth it to myself along with the priest. And there were three or four different versions when I was growing up. But you memorize them. You, you just repetition, you memorize things. But it's like they expect a priest to be some perfect actor. And priests are human too. You know, they sometimes stutter. Our priest sometimes pronounces things wrong. I just kind of move on from it. Uh, you know, when you have a, a Mexican priest, sometimes he still has his thick Mexican accent. What are you going to do? It's it's not perfect people doing perfect things. It's imperfect people doing perfect things. Because God is perfect. We all stumble here or there. I, you know, you pray the rosary and you forget where you are. Do you ever have to, you're praying the, the Hail Mary and you forget where you are and you have to start over? Yeah, I've even had... Uh, impure thoughts take over in the middle of rosary. Well, it doesn't help when you see a hot chick up there singing in a short skirt. Yeah, it's true. Or a lector. Yeah. In a mini skirt. Yeah. Knee high boots. I don't know. My grandma and grandpa used to get mad when we wore holy jeans to church. <laughs> they expected us to wear our best. Yeah. No short. But we have gotten more casual. Yeah, they, and, come, they come from an era where they wore hats and coats to ball games. If you wore yeah. a dress, a hat, and a suit to a football game down here, People think you were freaking weird. <laughs> you know, I used to work third shift and I'd get off work at seven in the morning. And I wore overalls to work mm -hmm. because I had a pocket for everything and I was there to work. I didn't want to spend time hunting for my stuff. Yeah. So I wore overalls. I had all my gear with me. And. For a while there, I was going to daily mass. And, you know, mass was at eight. I get off work at seven, time I drive home. Well, I ain't got time to really change. I ain't got time to wind down. So I'd just go to the church. And <coughs> there I am wearing my greasy overalls in church. And nobody said boo. There'd be 10 or 15 of us in there. Daily mass was at that point in time done in a, the, a chapel, not actually the church. And, you know, we all fit in there and it was kind of, it was more, uh, personal. It was more, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimate. Yeah. Intimate. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. And, you know, he he always did the 
the simplified version of the mass for daily mass. You know, it wasn't the hour long. It was the 35 minute mass. And <laughs> there was one time my dad and I went to the 5 p.m. Uh, vigil mass on a Saturday at 5 p.m. And this was Father Riley. He was a Jesuit. And he was, at this time, he was already like 65. So he was getting close to retirement age. And I miss him a lot. But <laughs> he was, he actually installed a clock on one of the side pillars so that he could gauge how long his mass was going. But for this one particular Saturday night mass, he said right out of the gate, he goes, this is going to be a quick one. <laughs> I still remember laughing at that. I see. We were out of there like okay, we were out of there like twenty five minutes. Mm -hmm. It was comical, but he hit all the he hit all the stuff. He mm -hmm. just said it a little quicker than normal, and he didn't do a long homily. <laughs> I don't know. How much time do you need to worship God? If you're doing it right, you wake up in the morning, you do the sign of the cross, you say some prayers, he's with you right out of the gate. And if you do that all day long, when you stumble, you say, like, I have a bad habit of cursing when something goes wrong on my electronic devices. Mm -hmm. I lose my mind. But, and I, I say some words that I shouldn't be saying. And it's probably a learned behavior. It's something I need to really work on. But if you have him with you all day long. Does mass have to be an hour and a half long? Mm -hmm. How much time do you need? I mean, I'm not criticizing an hour and a half long Latin mass. I'm just saying, if you are living your faith, Ben Shapiro had a post the other day that, because Ben Shapiro's Jewish, he said, we have 613 laws as Jews. And he, but what he said after that is the important part. He said, we do that because to be Jewish is basically a way of life. Because that's the fact. My dad told me, he goes, this is when I was being confirmed at 10 or 11. And I still remember this conversation today. He said, being Catholic isn't, you know, you get baptized, you get confirmed, and you go on with your life. Being confirmed is about accepting your faith on your own shoulders. Your mom and I taught you in the faith. But when you get confirmed, it's you taking that yoke of responsibility on your own shoulders. And it's not a one and done, and then you can forget about it. It's a way of life. Mm 
And I think that's what people forget. Like, I'll be Catholic today, tomorrow, and next week. Mm -hmm. But am I living it? Yeah, you can't be a casual, you cannot be a casual Catholic. It's impossible. Impossible to do it right. It's impossible. It's a all-in death cult. All-in death cult or nothing. I laugh when I laugh when people call it a cult. It is a cult. You know the the catechism itself calls it a cult. Okay. I was at work one day and this guy I knew who I liked because he tended to have a brain in his head and we had some pretty good discussions about stuff and uh I'm losing my tape and uh it was getting close to break time and the buzzer went off and i happened to be kind of taking an early break because i was at a point where i'd have ended up working through break so anyway i kind of walked over and he made a comment he goes you're catholic aren't you and i go yeah i go what about it he goes that's a cult and I started laughing. That's all I, that was my only reaction. And he goes, why are you laughing? And I go, if anybody else had told me that my religion was a cult, I'd have probably been mad, but it was you. And I know you have a brain and I'm not disagreeing with you, but it just, it hits me so funny that people think that but to be protestant in a lot of ways is like brainwashing mm-hmm. but you and i've asked you this before do you feel freer as a catholic than you did as a protestant i do so do i i feel like whoop my phone moved again i feel like I have the ability to be a free thinker within the realm of my Catholic faith, but I know that there's expectations and I just got tape wrapped around my finger instead of flipping it over. And I have reasons for what I believe, not just because. Why do you believe what you believe? Because because I was told to. Because, just because, just what I believe, it's just what I believe. Just how I was raised, it's just what I believe. That's like brainwashing type thinking. And it's not legit. It's not real. If you depend upon an interpretation where you beat the scriptures to death with a stick to pull every possible interpretation out of it, you're going to come up with some false teachings. Like the Constitution. People are constantly coming up with rights in the Constitution that do not exist. I Why? Can, I can name one real quick. What? 
innocent until proven guilty? Yeah, no, that's not really in the Constitution, is it? One of the biggest lies there is. Say that again. It's one of the biggest lies that there is. But we do believe in innocent till proven guilty, but why? No, we don't believe in it. I believe in it. Are you sure you believe in it? I believe to accuse somebody of something that there is no evidence for is against the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. What what did they say? Bear false witness? Yeah. That's called lying. And that's what people don't realize. You know, bringing up the 613 laws of Judaism. Well, Catholics have it too. We just don't call it 613 laws. We have it being follow the Ten Commandments. But if you speak with a forked tongue, if you lie, if you cheat, if you steal, if you say negative things about someone else, you are murdering their character, and that's against murder. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill someone's character either. So, in a way, we are taking the 613 laws and branching them out from the Ten Commandments because it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, if you're innocent until proven guilty, isn't that supported by the Ten Commandments? Well, we're talking Isn't about that supported? We're talking, huh? about, we're talking about here where we live, Eric. Talking about in the world. I'm talking about here in America. We're talking about the Constitution, and we're talking about how people keep getting all these rights out of this document that's really not there. We're just, you know, but um, if you get arrested for a crime here, a serious crime, they're going to put your ass in jail before a trial. Right? Right. Okay, well, why are but you... Imprisonment, imprisonment doesn't necessarily confer guilt. It just means you're accused. To be accused is not proof of guilt. True. But to be in jail tells me you think I'm guilty already, or I would not be sitting in jail. You're assuming I'm guilty without a trial. You put my ass in jail, and you say, oh, by the way, if you can come up with $3 million, we'll all of a sudden presume you're innocent until the trial. No, no, no they won't presume you're innocent. They'll just let you out for a while. Yeah. But you have to agree to come back to be put on trial. This is all it is, Eric. It's money. All it is. Show yeah. the money. I got to go, Eric. I'll call you next time. But I got to go. Okay? All right. I'll give you okay. a call, buddy. All right. Thanks. Uh huh? Thank you. Love you. Call you.